Hello, and welcome to the Sound of History podcast. <laughs> My name is Nick. I was surprised. That's Mika. <laughs> this is a music history podcast where we're talking about the whole story of American music. And I am on my phone. Well, I mean, that's in general. That's no, how it works. that's not how it works. Okay. Follow us on social media, even though we don't do anything on there. No, I do things. I post TikToks. You posted like two TikToks in two weeks. Yeah, I post <laughs> TikToks. How much have you posted? I mean, probably Have you posted that. twice in two weeks? I don't probably. think so. Because we didn't do a, an episode last week. Probably still said something. But it's twitter.com slash sound of history with an underscore after it. Go there. Follow us. And please appreciate these TikToks because they're good. (laughs) Also, like, leave us a review and stuff on iTunes or wherever you review podcasts. Tell your friends. All that fun stuff. You can tell your friends if you want. Sometimes I don't tell my friends. That's true, but that's because you're embarrassed. They shouldn't be embarrassed about anything. That's true. You don't have to be embarrassed for me because you're not me. You just get to listen to all the dumb stuff I say. Yep. So tell your friends. Tell your friends <laughs> about how dumb I am. Speaking of things Mika says, Mika is the host the now. Host now. Petroleum jelly. <laughs> What about petroleum jelly? It's the best lip gloss there is. Lip gloss? Yes. Is it is it a gloss? Are my lips glossy right now? I think yes. <laughs> They're Tell also like moisturized. A... Okay. Not sponsored. <laughs> <laughs> By petroleum jelly? Curad, <laughs> if you want to uh, sponsor me. <laughs> if the whole big petroleum (laughs) jelly business wants to sponsor us too that's fine (laughs) we're not partial we'll take whoever wants to i didn't i didn't have this stuff for a few days because i threw it away after i was so ill so ill with with a bug yep i'm blaming that as the reason why we didn't have an episode last week even though it had nothing to do with it but i'm still still blaming it Miko was sick, so that's why we didn't so have an sick. episode last week. And based on what I've learned from how I met your mother, I was just under the weather. <laughs> we'll leave it at that. But anyway, I had to throw away my tube of petroleum jelly. And I was like, man, I really missed it. And so I, I dug into my backpack and I took my work petroleum jelly. Which I don't just take from the hospital. Of course not. You would never do that. I don't do that. <laughs> That's all. <laughs> Is that the end of your segment? Hmm. That's fine. You don't have to have anything else. Zofran. <laughs> That's true. That was a lifesaver this weekend. Zofran shots in the butt. And have the my pills butt. are good, too. Oh, yeah. The pills taste kind of weird. They're like almost grape, but like not. Almost grape-flavored yeah, medicine. You're right. Not. So you shouldn't take them because they taste a little weird. Well, I mean, <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> That's all. Okay. What else all do right. I have to say? Mika's no longer the host now. Mika's no longer the host now. Well, before we get into the music history, <laughs> I it's Mika's birthday. 
Oh, yeah. The day before you guys listen to this. It if, is. if you listen to it on the day it drops, which is unlikely. But Some yeah, this is her birthday week. Birthday week. It was also our cat's birthday a couple of days ago. So oh, yeah. Two big birthdays this week. Very important. There's All no right. one else I'd rather share my birthday week with than my cat. <laughs> and I m- mean that so seriously. <laughs> There's no sarcasm in that. You also share your birthday week with my parents' anniversary. So Wait, when is it? It's the day after your birthday. Oh, thank God. I didn't miss <laughs> it yet. Yeah. <laughs> I was talking to them earlier. <laughs> so, for your birthday, pop quiz. What did we talk about last week? Or last episode. That's not a good gift. It's, I didn't say it was. Oh. <laughs> we talked about, um, um, um. Yep. That's it. Snapping. Sammy Davis Jr. Yep. Hey. <laughs> see the snapping work. Good job. <laughs> yeah. We're in the middle of our little mini break and where we're talking about the Rat Pack. Do you want to, like sum up what the Rat Pack is for people who might not have listened to the rest of it? Um, handsome, rich men that people liked and they sang and they danced and they acted. Yeah, not all of them sing and dance, but you know, there were two like actors and comedians we talked about for the first episode, which I do not think you remember their names at all. No. Peter Lawford and Joey Bishop. Today, we're talking about Dean Martin. Yay! What do you know about Dean? What is your opinion of him? Listen, when I think Dean Martin, I think of that one album cover with him and the red socks and the red sweater. Though They might be white socks. Red sweater, white socks. He's by the fire. And I think it's Christmas. That sounds like a Christmas thing. And That also sounds like the Nat King Cole album cover. I think he looks like... La- Lass Lassiter from Psych. Oh, I've never seen Psych. So I can't help That's you that. a mistake. <laughs> Psych well, is amazing. I don't watch a lot of TV. I'm sorry. Psych is fantastic. Okay. Anyway, I mean, I believe you. That's a, that's that's like my thoughts on Dean Martin. I know that that's very off topic, but like, I mean, it's when Dean I Martin, think so Dean it Martin, is on topic. When but. I think Dean Martin, I think of that picture <laughs> and of his resemblance. To the detective on Psych. I'm sure he would love that. That that is his legacy in your mind. I mean, I also love his music. one picture in a passing resemblance to someone else who's famous. He's not that famous. (laughs) (laughs) Is that helpful? You know more about what that guy did than what Dean Martin did, apparently. No, I mean, I know that he does music, and (laughs) I know the songs. I just can't tell you which songs are his. I can't, like, distinguish, like, ooh, this one. Well, I mean, if I'm, like, listening to it, I can tell you. But I can't be like, these songs were Dean Martin. And and I know he was also in movies. Yeah. And, and, like, you know. So I I know. (laughs) I'm just telling you where my brain goes. (laughs) All right. Well, let's get into it, and let's see how much you actually know about him. Dean Martin was born in Ohio in 1917. His father was an Italian-born barber, and his mother was an Italian-American. He and his older brother grew up speaking Italian as their primary language. He didn't start learning English until going to school at age five, which meant that he was bullied quite a bit for like his broken and stuttered English. 
I hate that. I hate that so much. Yeah. Every single time I hear about someone who's bilingual being bullied for like not being able to speak English in like an English accent. I just like want to punch something. How <laughs> punch dare we? Five-year-old kids. Their parents. <laughs> I wonder if it was like full-on bullying or if it was just kids not understanding and being like, why are you talking? Like, you know how kids are where they yes. like don't have a filter. Yes. And they'll just say like, so they'll be like, why are you talking like that? Like, why can't you say things? I'm sure that he was bullied. Probably. Yeah. I'm sh- I mean, he's an Italian immigrant. Like, but sure who's laughing now? Me. <laughs> After you punch all the little five-year-old kids, you're going to laugh no, in their face. No, their parents. <laughs> nope, too late. They're, I I'm just d- no, picturing I've you going through parents. a kindergarten just slapping children. No. <laughs> Be careful what you say. I take care of children. <laughs> as a teenager, he started to play the drums as a hobby. In the 10th grade, he dropped out of high school because for reasons... He was moody. For reasons that those close to him didn't quite understand, he thought he was smarter than his teachers. So he thought he had no need for school anymore. I'm hearing um, Perry vibes. <laughs> <laughs> and I love that, like, because that's something that I pulled from one biography. Like, those close to him didn't understand it. So they were probably like, dude, you're not. Like, <laughs> so they I'm, could I'm tell. hearing angsty teenager picked up drums because he was bullied. And it's his way <laughs> of getting out all of his aggression. He's smarter than his teachers. So he quit high school. Yeah, probably. I can I'm picture this kid so well. Probably wasn't bullied in high school. He's a good-looking, suave person. He's he was probably fine. Some good-looking people when they're older were weird-looking people when they were younger. That's true. Either way, he started a pretty adventurous life from then on out. He started working as a bootlegger, a blackjack dealer at a speakeasy, and in a steel mill. He Random. also. St- started to box and build himself as kid crochet what or crotchet i don't know how it's it's not crochet it's c-r-o-c-h-e-t i don't know what what else would that be i don't know but i mean like if you just imagine someone's fighting persona <laughs> like to announce him instead of being like so big and macho they have like a grandma out there with her like crochet needle and like I mean Wah! literally the only definition that's coming up is crocheting. No so I, <laughs> What? Might have meant something different. Please back then. does someone know. I mean this is like how we t- discovered Bean Feast the other day that's when true. we were watching Willy Wonka. Like th- there's got to be another meaning. That was a bean party. No, it was a bean feast. I want a bean feast. Oh, okay. I do want a bean feast. It is. A, I mean, it is a party, but it wasn't a yeah. bean party. Either way, I'll take it. Bean feast, bean party. I'm about it. It's just a okay, celebration. So he's Kid Crochet. His little someone help us out with. He's this. a he's an amateur boxer who goes by. I'm I'm saying Crochet because that sounds better to oh. me than Crotchet. Oh my goodness. Unfortunately, his decision to start boxing landed him with a broken nose, several broken knuckles, and a scarred lip. Of the 12 fights that he fought, he said he won all but 11 of them. I like the way he thinks. (laughs) So he had 1 in 12 and then stopped boxing. He doesn't need school. People weren't intimidated by Kid Crochet. I mean... (laughs) He moved to New York York City to try and make it in show business. 
He roomed with another guy named Sonny King, who was also broke and trying to make it in show business. There's no business like show business. So, how do you think these two little young, upstart Italian-American actors decided to try and make a living while they're trying to make it in show business? What would be your guess? Think Joey Tribbiani. Joey wouldn't do this, so. Is stripping your guess? I can't be that far off. They started to charge people to watch them bare knuckle box each other in their apartment. I almost said <laughs> fight each other and have it rigged. Yep. I almost said that. It's not rigged. They would just fight until one of them was knocked out. And just people would pay to watch these two young guys just fight each other in their apartment. I mean, I see the appeal. But for some reason, Dean didn't want to keep doing that. Because <laughs> he lost all but 11 of his, or he won all but 11 of his fights. Yes, he's probably not much he's better. He's not going to be winning this. <laughs> Bare knuckle boxing he's his He's like, roommate. man, I'm going to need a nose job. So he started to work as a roulette stick man at an illegal casino behind a tobacco shop. Because of his, what, were you going to say something? Just trying to picture how like much of a hole in the wall that must have been. Yeah, I mean this was after uh, Prohibition, I think. No, it was right around the time of Prohibition. No, because Prohibition was twenties. I don't remember. It was. Something. I don't know dates or historical events. Well, Prohibition was twenties because it was the Roaring Twenties, so it was like that. the whole speakeasy scene. I mean, I, I I did know that. I was yeah. just playing dumb. <laughs> just let me play dumb. Okay. Because of his connections in the speakeasy scene, he started to sing in a few local club bands, calling himself Dino Martini. He's someone else. Like, he or, needs a manager. To be fair, it could be Dino Martini. No. Does that help? No. Because <laughs> it's D-I-N-O. That's worse. It's just D-I-N-O. Dino Martini sounds <laughs> or like... Or Dino Martini. Dino Martini sounds like a banging Nashville cocktail at one of our, yeah. like, pop-up bars. True. But like a Jurassic not a Park named. Yes. I can't... Someone help this kid. <laughs> I I. It was hard for me to, like, really track where he's at at this point. Like, I think he had already left New York and moved back to Ohio. But because he kind of bounced around, I think. I, I mean, someone can correct me, but I was having a hard time. Like, different biographies told me different things, so I don't know where he is. But he's going by Dino Martini and singing in clubs. God help him. In 1938, he was noticed by a Cleveland band leader named Sammy Watkins, who hired him as the band's featured vocalist and convinced him to start going by Dean Martin. God bless. See, <laughs> he just needed a manager. He needed a Sammy Watkins. He stayed with Sammy until 1943 when he stayed in New York to try and build a career there instead of like traveling around with the band. He went back to New York. Dean's career really took off in 1947 when he met a comic named Jerry Lewis at a club date in Atlantic City. Jerry Lee Lewis? No. Jerry Lee Lewis was a rock and roll guy, not a comic by any means. Okay. But they met at a club date in Atlantic City. The two would joke around with each other during their respective sets, but then they decided to join their two acts together. They became a combo of music and comedy that quickly became the hottest selling ticket in town. Like Bo Burnham. <laughs> yes. Except probably more cheery. 
<laughs> inside. Listen, <laughs> that was a masterpiece. I'm still excited. You haven't even watched half I of wa- it. I watched half of it. <laughs> I watched <laughs> half of it. You watched like the sad half. <laughs> the first half. That was the half more. that I identified with. <laughs> So they be- I don't have a white wo- a white woman's Instagram. <laughs> I I don't. It's true. I have like a a like mother's Instagram. Do you try and FaceTime your mom because that was one of his songs? No, my mom doesn't have an iPhone. That's true. So they're a combo of music and comedy. They quickly became super popular in Atlantic City. Their chemistry together was just like off the charts fantastic. They performed slapstick comedy, ding, sang plenty of songs. They performed old vaudeville skits and jokes. Really, like anything they thought of that they wanted to do, they would perform. Were they racist? I mean, I don't think so. But okay. at this time, there's probably some sort of racial prejudice in them. The act got there because vaudeville's not minstrelsy. It's different. I know, but okay. I still feel like I remember it being... Yeah, I mean parts of vaudeville were probably pretty bad they were probably still performing in blackface during the like peak vaudeville time so this act got their first television appearance on the ed sullivan show in 1948 they hired a couple of comedy writers that helped take their show beyond the club performances they were focusing on until then so they really started to gain some traction in 1949 they signed with a paramount producer for a movie and also landed a radio show who was the other guy Sammy, no, Sammy Watkins was the band leader. Um, Jerry, Jerry Lewis. Lee. Yeah, Jerry Lewis, not Jerry Lee. So they signed with Paramount. They nego- The two negotiated fantastic deals and controlled most of their own material. This kid did not need school, actually. Uh, yeah, apparently. Or that could have been Jerry. We don't know. That's true because Dean does come up with the dumbest names <laughs> I've ever heard. So <laughs> maybe I'm giving him too much credit. So this act and its success earned them millions of dollars in the early 50s. They were also great friends through all of it, which was just, like, fun. Icing on the cake. That seems rare. Yeah. While in this partnership, Dean saw some great success on his own with singing. He released a string of popular songs like Memories Are Made of This and That's Amore for Capitol Records. That. Most of these songs first appeared in the soundtracks for various Martin and Lewis comedy films. Here is That's Amore from 1953's film The Caddy. When the moon hits your eye like a big pizza pie, that's amore. Yep, that's Dean Martin. All right, let's move on. When boy meets girl. Here's what they sing. When the moon hits your eye like a big pizza pie, that's amore. How did I not realize that he was Italian? <laughs> when the world seems to shine like you've had too much wine, that's amore. Bells will ring, tingling, a ling, tingling, a ling, and you'll sing me. His nose looks okay. Hearts will play tippy tippy tay, tippy tippy tay, like a gay darandella. Lucky fella. When the stars make you drool, just like pasta basil, that's amore. I'm hearing that love is food and wine. When you dance down yeah. the street with a cloud at your feet, you're in love. No, right, I want to keep, keep hearing it. <laughs> 
Well, we got another one He's coming so up. He's so cute. Like literally right now. Okay. You want to listen to Memories Are Made Of This? Memories Are Made Of It became of one of his biggest hits of all time. It was released as a single in 1955. Sweet, sweet memories you gave of me. You can't beat the memories you gave of me. Take one fresh and tender kiss. one stolen night of bliss. One girl, one boy, some grief, some joy, memories are made of this. Don't forget a small moonbeam. Those memories are made of this. I prefer that to more. I thought that was so cute. That's more. It's just more fun. Well, yeah, it's about food. <laughs> <laughs> and love. But in 1956, the group, uh, they were going by Martin and Lewis. That was their group name. Very clever. Hit a it's rough better. patch. Yeah. It's, it's a better, clearer name. Than Dino Martini. Oh, my God. <laughs> well, they hit a rough patch with their act that led to some increasing, increasingly frequent arguments. At one point, Dean said that he only saw his partner as a dollar sign and nothing more. They would split up almost 10 years to the date of their first performance together. Bummer. When they broke up, many people or many critics <coughs> many critics predicted that Jerry Lewis would go on to be a superstar, but Dean Martin was all but finished. Obviously, that kind of worked the other way. Dean Martin went on to be the big superstar. Really? Yeah. I mean, Jerry still did well for himself, but oh. he's not Dean Martin. Okay. Dean started off his solo <laughs> career a bit rough, though. His first solo film in 1957 was a box office failure. He was known as a slapstick comedy actor, but he wanted to transition into more dramatic roles. His song, Volaire, did quite well on the charts, but it was clear that the era of the old-style crooner was waning with the explosion of rock and roll at this point. That is a hard time to break into the Rat Pack. For sure. Here is Volaire. Picture this up against like Chuck Berry. Let's fly away from the maddening crowds. We can sing in the glow of a star that I know of where lovers enjoy peace of mind. Let us leave the confusion it's a great and song, all this illusion behind. It's not going to outperform Elvis at this point. Just like birds of a feather, a rainbow together will find. All right, let's go there. It's a decent song for him at this point. In 1958, Dean took a smaller part in a Marlon Brando film called The Young Lions and offered a fraction of his normal salary just to get the part. But he recognized that it was his way to branch out, so he took it and won critical acclaim for the role. Smart. Yeah. So he had a revitalized movie career in dramas and was exploding in Vegas and other club dates. Like he was starting to hit the club circuit, which is where this 
these crooners were like really finding their their zone. Things are starting to look up for him at the end of the 50s. Yay. <laughs> it was during this period that Dean first started to associate with the Rat Pack. He started to perform with Frank and the other guys in Vegas. There, with the Wild West feeling of Vegas at the time, the group epitomized the high life. Drinking, partying, women, money, fame, they were living it up. Martin became known as a drinking playboy, but that might have been all an act. Do we really think it was an act? Is this another all an act Maybe. Rat Pack member? Yeah. Well, I mean, we talked about him when we were talking about Sammy last week. Was Sammy not the one who also everyone like his kids were like, no, he's no, that was Dean. Oh, I mean, okay, Sammy, okay. they were all like that. Like they okay. were all way more toned down, except probably Frank. They were all more yeah. toned down than what the public Nothing about was. Frank seems toned. Yeah. After his death. Except for that ass. <laughs> that's probably not even true. No, I can't imagine Frank Sinatra ever worked out. in his life. <laughs> After his death, Dean Martin's daughter noted that the whole image was nothing but a gimmick. She said, quote, when he started to redo his nightclub act, he started at the Sands Hotel and had some writers helping him. Dad was so handsome, so debonair. They just thought, we'll put a drink in his hand and a cigarette. Every man wanted to be him and every woman wanted to be with him. So apparently it was these writers who helped, like, create this character. You know, I kind of think... That they'd probably still want to be him or be with him without probably. the cigarette and the alcohol. Yeah. It's just the image. I, f- I feel I feel like the handsome yeah. is the key part of that, <laughs> not the like and like, rich and talented. Yeah, like you need you need something else if you're like you yourself all by yourself. Maybe are not enough of an yeah. image. I just I mean I can kind of because like like picture James Bond and like sweatpants with a fanny pack and he's got like a little juice box like that's not as cool as juice box. as james bond with like a cosmopolitan and like chilling in his suit i don't like there's there's something to be I, said I about james the image bond in sweatpants is still probably pretty hot i mean maybe <laughs> but there's something about that image that image of class anyway <laughs> according to his daughter dean was swilling apple juice on stage and not whiskey she said he'd be home for dinner every night and he might have one cocktail at the bar after his performance. He might have a very weak scotch and soda that he'd nurse throughout the act, but that was like pretty much the only thing he would actually drink on stage. See, that sounds classy. <laughs> Apple <I> like, juice. <laughs> yes, I like my performers to be able to still, you know, perform. Yep. But he played by the end of the night. He played the Dean Martin character really well though. People didn't really know any of that. Like they thought he was this drunk guy all the time dean made a name for himself as something of a lovable drunk whether and whether or not you think it was really apple juice he was hardly ever seen on stage or in the movies without a scotch in his hand like his daughter said dean and the other rat pack guys worked in vegas quite a bit and it was there performing at the sands hotel and casino that he reworked his nightclub act it was where the drunk persona started to take shape he would slur his words and miss his cues with a joke He was also introduced by, and now, direct from the bar, Dean Martin. I think that's funny. Yeah. He'd bound on stage and steal a scotch from a front row table. He used drinking as a prop, knowing he would refer to the bottle any time he forgot a line or a lyric. 
that's smart. Because yeah. <laughs> he could just pass it off as like this funny part of who Dean Martin is rather than him forgetting a line. That's so amazing. His son insisted that he never once saw Dean drunk in his entire life. Aw. Yep. I mean, even if he was actually getting very drunk at Vegas, at least he wasn't getting drunk around his kids. That's something. During this period of club performances, Dean supported the civil rights movement in his own way by refusing to play any dates that did not allow African-American or Jewish performers. Oh. Yeah. Oh. Good for him. We're, we're protecting the Jews now, too. <laughs> yeah. Oh. As we've already talked about, he also appeared in a few popular movies with the Rat Pack guys in the early 60s. And into the 60s, he continued to win praise for his various performances in movies, even beyond the Rat Pack ones. Here is one of his songs from the Rat Pack musical comedy movie, Robin and the Seven Hoods, in 1964. I'm excited. Sending her flowers Though it's no anniversary Many men want fame and fortune It's gold they love to see But I'd say a man They're playing pool, by the way his mother Him and Frank is man me. Many men love dogs and kittens and pet them constantly. Show me a man who loves his mother as much as she wants to be. And I'll show you a man. Right. I don't, That's I, any I don't, man who loves his mother by Dean Martin. I thought that the I thought that the connection between men loving dogs and kittens and then loving his mother was just a weird little <laughs> It's a weird little aside. Like, many <laughs> men love dogs and kittens. Yeah. Show me a man that loves his mother. Yeah. That's way rare. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, it's cute. It's just... it. it. <laughs> so, okay. in, in 1965, on the back of all of this success, his career hit what many consider to be its height. He got his very own television show called, can you guess the name of the show? The Dean Martin Show. Yep. It ran for eight years and was a staple of American television. That show was followed by the Dean Martin Comedy Hour, which was basically celebrity roast. That's amazing. Yeah. Uh, well, people think the Comedy Hour kind of killed it. like Because he was known to do that on his show, on the Dean Martin show. Like, he would bring his friends on and just kind of, like, make fun of them and, like, poke fun of And then, like, the Dean Martin comedy hour wasn't... It was kind of when Dean Martin was done with show business. Like, not show business, but, like, television. He didn't want to do it anymore. So he just made fun of people. So it was very irregular and, like, 
they it wasn't like a weekly thing like he would it would happen every once in a while and hmm. wasn't all that great according to some people i don't know i've never seen it i'm sure a lot of the jokes would be lost at, lost on me at this point i like the concept yeah he won a golden globe for his show in 1966 and was nominated the next 3 years he played into his image as a half-drunk crooner in his laid-back style. He was a lovable character who could get away with jokes that other people might not have, like hitting on all the female guests. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Still a little cringe, yeah. but you know, it depends on what they're expecting. No. <laughs> his show was very loosely formatted and allowed for a lot of improvisation from Dean and his guests, which got him into some battles with NBC and the censors, who preferred to know exactly what to expect. Why would they ever expect that? (laughs) (laughs) He often got complaints when he said obscene phrases in Italian. That's funny. (laughs) Yeah, I'm on board with that. Dean appreciated the show's producer, who was a pioneer in the TV space, and made a handshake deal, giving him 50% of the show's profit. The show was almost always in the top ten, so that's quite a bit of money to give away to the producer. All right. During this period, Dean left Capitol Records, which he had been with pretty much the whole time, to join Frank Sinatra's struggling reprise label. The major draw of Frank's vision for that label was that the artist would eventually have full creative control over their work and would one day own it. But when that label was eventually bought by Warner, it kind of changed a bit. She's not bothering me. Do you want to hear one of his songs from the reprise years? I do. Don't sound super enthusiastic about it. That's fine. I just had to discipline my cat. <laughs> it's called Everybody Loves Somebody. I know this one. Everybody loves somebody sometime. Everybody falls in love somehow. Something in your kiss just told me my sometime is now. Everybody find somebody someplace. There's no telling where love may appear. Something in my heart keeps saying. Find some place is here. All right. So everybody loves somebody. I like that song. Yeah, it's a good one. That song actually managed to unseat the Beatles for the number one spot. That's awesome. For about a decade, Dean recorded heavily for reprise, sometimes as much as four albums a year, which is absurd by today's standards. That is really wild. In the 70s, his career started to wind down, mostly by his choice. He made his last recording for Reprise, which was Warner at that time, in 1974. He started to slow down his club dates. By 1974, the Dean Martin Show's style of television was dying out, so his show was spun into a series of celebrity roasts known as the Dean Martin Comedy Hour, which we already talked about. All of this meant he got to work less and less, which sounds like he was kind of happy with. He still starred in a couple of films and performed in Vegas at the MGM. In 1973, a few months after he divorced his second wife, 
he married a 26-year-old receptionist named nope. Catherine Hahn. Nope. He was 55. No. They divorced three years later, and he would eventually reconcile with his second wife, though they never remarried. In 1976, Dean Martin reconciled with his old partner, Jerry Lewis, during Lewis's charity telethon. Aww. Yeah. They, like, hadn't really talked to each other since their big fight back in the 50s. Frank Sinatra appeared on the telethon and surprised Lewis by bringing in Dean. The two hugged, which earned a standing ovation from the crowd and resulted in the most... In the... I typed this wrong, and I don't know what it's trying to say. Read it. Read the script. From Earned a standing ovation from the crowd and resulted in the most years for the telethon. <laughs> I don't... Probably the most donations in uh, years for the telethon. Yeah, there's no better know. way to reconcile than when you're on national television. Yeah, for you charity. literally can't not reconcile. <laughs> yeah. Lewis called it one of the three most memorable moments of his life. That's really precious. I don't know what the other two were, but maybe births of children or something. (laughs) (laughs) You know, other not important stuff. (laughs) The two wouldn't really work together ever again, but they maintained a quiet friendship and got closer as they got older. Do you want to see a video of the reunion? (laughs) Yeah. I have a friend who loves what you do every year. Yeah. And who just wanted to come out and say, Would you send my friend out, please? Okay, well, okay, where is he? We just send him out here. Come here. This is so precious. Oh, kiss on the cheek. Break it up. What is this here? Break it up. I think it's about time, don't you? Oh, he's crying. I think it's about time. We, well, we folk. All the pats on the cheek. We could whip the world without the guns of Navarro. There they are, folks. What? No idea. (laughs) (laughs) Just Frank trying to be in the spotlight. How you been? (laughs) Oh, my gosh. You know, it seems like... We, we haven't seen each the... other uh, for 20 years. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, there was all those rumors about our breaking up, and then when I started the show and you weren't here, I believed it. I'll show you guys to your room if you like. The lights are out upstairs, so follow me. <laughs> oh, he drinks a lot. All right, lot. that's all we're going to show with that. Oh. <laughs> yeah, it was a reunion. First time oh. seeing each other in 20 years. Oh, he's so precious. In 1983, Dean recorded his last album called The Nashville Sessions. That's here! (laughs) Yeah. I don't know if he was here when he recorded it. The album consists of country standards. Probably, honestly. Why not? Like, here's recording. Yeah, but I mean, like, if he's living in Los Angeles and he's a little older, he might not want to move out here to record. Not like it might just be like, eh. He wouldn't have to move. Planes are a thing. 
Yeah, I just think it. But he'd have to stay out here for a little bit. I think it's just he's like, I think it's a marketing thing more than anything, because Bummer. this album consists of country standards recorded in a pop country format. Ugh. So like it probably just because it's country, they're like it's the Nashville sessions. Like it don't like tell me that thing. Dean Martin's last album was pop country. Yep. Gag. One of them, a duet with Conway Twitty called My First Country Song, actually became a bit of a minor hit for him. Oh. Do you want to hear My First Country no, Song? No, I don't. Well, too bad. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, I hate it. <laughs> Make it stop. He's wearing a cowboy hat. Oh, my God. <laughs> This is awful. No back out in It's questionable. I mean, we say that, but we like to hear those country singers sing. That's, all we'll that's make enough of that. To. That was the Nashville Sessions. Why would you hurt me in this way? I'm telling the story as it happened. In 1987, Dean experienced some personal tragedy when his son, Dino Jr., was killed in a plane crash during a military training exercise. Dang. Again, it could be Dino Jr. I don't know. <laughs> It's not. <laughs> That's how it's spelled, though. It's not dino. It's it, not. It, it spelled like dino. It could no. be. In 1988 and 1989, Dean set out on a tour with Frank Sinatra and Sammy Davis Jr., but he had to drop out when he became ill. The tour wasn't going great for him anyway. He was much more suited for the more intimate club performances, and Sinatra had them performing in stadiums. And he also didn't want to stay up drinking until dawn after the shows like some of the younger people probably did. Yeah. And, you know, Frank. Yeah. In 1990, he performed in Vegas for the last time. In 1989 and 1990, he appeared on television for the final two times. Once to commemorate Sammy Davis Jr. and once for Frank Sinatra's birthday. After that, he completely retired from show business. I like a complete retire. Yeah, it's good. It's clean. In 1993, Dean was diagnosed with lung cancer. He had been a heavy smoker throughout his life, and he was told that it would take surgery to prolong his life, but he rejected it. Yeah, good choice, honestly. He retired completely from public life and passed away on Christmas Day of 1995. Oh. The lights on the Las Vegas Strip were dimmed in his honor. Good. Dean... Dean Martin was a titan in almost all areas of entertainment. Recording, performing, television, films, he did a little bit of everything and was successful at, like, everything he touched. He became synonymous with cool during the height of his career. He was truly a show business legend. That's, that's Dean Martin. How you feel about him? Impressed. 
He knew what he was doing. Yeah, he, except for in the naming process. He was smarter than his teachers. <laughs> <laughs> That's what they want to hear. <laughs> All right. Next week, we finally talk about Frank. I'm or scared. whenever we do this again, we talk about Frank. Frankly, I'm scared. <laughs> <laughs> and then we talk about Nat King Cole for a bonus episode. And then we're moving back into like the overarching story. We're done with the Rat Pack after that. All right. Any any final send offs about Dean? And boys, girls, what they Don't do pop country. <laughs> that is the that is the moral to take away from this. When yeah. the moon hits your eye like a big pizza pie, that's When the world seems to shine like you had too much wine, that's amore.